Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Chu. How's it going today, Scott? It's going great. I got to go back to work tomorrow. I had a week of leave uh, for parental bonding. My my employer, PNC Bank, uh, is awesome. They give six weeks of parental bonding for fathers. That's great. Um, and it's actually, it's 12 for, for mothers. And I actually get to use it over the course of a whole year. Mm-hmm. Right. So I get, uh, I get, as long as I use it in one week increments, it like leave is just basically a very annoying vacation because you have to like call other places to set it up. And I can't mm-hmm. just be like, Hey boss, I'm going to be gone for a week. See ya. Um, but yeah, so, you know, kudos to employers that give their employees parental leave, right? Awesome. Moms yeah. and dads, whoever, um, it, it's you know it's less that like i had things to do and more that uh i was home so that yeah. you know mom could go do her thing and not have right. to worry about it as much not have to worry about uh oh man he's going to be in a meeting do i need to set up for him i was just here doing nothing so yeah. Yeah. it was good and you get a chance uh, obviously to bond a little bit more with your babies too yeah right? yeah twins. i mean i i work from home they're usually mm-hmm. like right here with me all the time but mm-hmm. um yeah i mean it's just nice teaching not them the banking to... business teaching them some legal stuff because i know you're a lawyer at a bank oh i i hope they aren't anything like an attorney when they get older <laughs> i want them to be happy uh, mm-hmm. i want them to be successful which means uh, not an attorney <laughs> well uh, glad to see that you had a good week and yeah i mean my kids are older so yeah that that wasn't an option there was no paternity leave for for dads uh you know but that's great that they do that today it's awesome really good so um all right so let's get started uh you know we talked last week about uh curtis mead being called up by the rays and the rays uh just called up another one of their prospects and by the way just to give uh, our listeners the uh reference we're recording this on sunday august 13th it's about noon so um, like I mentioned, the Rays had uh, called up Curtis Mead. Hasn't really been doing well uh, in his debut, but uh, now they call up Oslavis Basabe. Uh, I think I got the pronunciation right, but uh, second baseman, third baseman, shortstop. Uh, so, um, you know, he doesn't look like, you know, the way the Rays are. We've talked about this in the past, about how they juggle their lineups, you know, I don't know if this guy's going to have a chance to get regular at bats. It looks like he might be more of a, a right-handed uh, bat part-time infield role. Yeah, they had him step in and play shortstop for a day, but obviously we know that that particular position is uh, jammed up by Wander Franco, who's really sure. turned it around over the last you know couple of weeks after he had a rather extended slump, especially on the power side. So good to see Wander Franco uh, kind of getting it done. 
this team's going to be really interesting when September comes around because they get call-ups too. And I would expect a guy like Jonathan Aranda to, to come back up. And that Ooh. just means they have a bazillion infielders that can all play multiple infield positions, which is great for constructing a real-life team and really bizarre for trying to project which ones will be the best pieces for fantasy. Uh, I do I do think that the writing is on the wall for Luke Rayleigh to be into a full platoon. Um, Rayleigh has... Uh, just not been the guy he was early in the season. The strikeouts seem to have caught up to him a little bit. Um, now Rayleigh's played in in five of the last six, but that's because they the Rays have faced five righties in the last mm. six games. So I do expect uh, Rayleigh to take a seat when there's a lefty in favor of uh, like Manuel Margot or Harold Ramirez, or you know they they have all kinds of pieces they can move around. Um, I'm also wondering what we do with, uh, Brandon Lau. So Brandon Lau, uh, is, um, he might be a platoon guy. It's weird because they'll let their second and third hitters in the lineup be platoon guys. Uh It's (laughs) most teams, you know, when you have like a number two, you know, the guy that bats second or third or fourth for you is locked in every single day and the Rays don't care about that. So, um, you know, the, for 12 team leagues, I don't think there's going to be enough here. Um, Basabe is is not exactly a guy we were looking at of having 12 team potential anyway. I mean, there's really not any power here. Uh, he was slugging uh, 426 this season in AAA. That does not translate super well to the majors. Uh, just four home runs in 94 games in the lower level. There is some speed. So deeper leagues, if he can play enough, you might see a couple stolen bases here on a team that just absolutely loves to run. But if I'm in a 12 team league, I'm not really putting any bids on Basabe uh, unless it's, you know, unless it's like a dynasty or something. And even then um, he he might be roster already. And his long-term fantasy outlook is just not super exciting. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, th- the real issue with, for fantasy would be, would this take away time from a guy like Isak Paredes, right? Mm. Who uh, hasn't quite been the same as he was earlier in the season, but he's still been fairly productive and, and sort of able to play everywhere. But it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Um, uh, Paredes not in the lineup today on Sunday, but you, you always have to take Sunday lineups with just like a bit of a grain of salt. Sundays are big day off days, right? You'll see teams yes. throughout these really strange lineups on Sundays. And you'll be like, oh, is this mm-hmm. a real change? But you have to make sure, you know, you'll be looking at like a, a set of lineups. You'll say, wow, this one's really weird. What are they doing? Oh, it was Sunday, mm-hmm. right? Sunday is the day that, that guys get in. Um, uh, Basabe uh, will be in today. He's batting ninth. They're getting Curtis Mead in today. They're getting Harold Ramirez in today. Like all the platoon guys get to play on Sunday, right? Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, players uh, could tie one on on Saturday night and, you know, take the day off on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's it's either you know days after double headers, you know one of the games of double headers and Sundays. Those are the days mm-hmm. that you really expect lineups to get weird, and you don't want to micromanage your fantasy team trying to learn something from a Sunday lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned Brandon Lau possibly being platooned, and you know we had mentioned it a, a few times over the course of the time that we've been doing a podcast together, at least I have, about how bad he is hitting against left-handed pitching. So in a way, with this overabundance of infield prospects that the Rays have, and like you said, September uh, rosters expand, so who knows, you know, that might end up limiting uh, Lau's playing time going, for, going forward. I mean, the guy's got a ton of power, but again, you know, against lefties, he's uh, he's been terrible basically throughout his uh, career. 
Yeah, it's the big side of a platoon. So if you're going to be in a platoon and still be relevant in 12-team leagues, it's got to be the the big side. Yeah. But with with Lau's extreme inconsistency over the last few years, like if you're chasing power and you're des- – you know, I've been using this phrase a lot, especially in the Reddit AMA and in comments on the hitter list. I'm being asked, like, should I do this in my league? And at, at this time of year – the the calculus for whether you should do this, like these questions are very easy to answer in March, April, May, right? Because we're still mm-hmm. mostly looking at projections going forward. But when you're in, uh, you know, when you're in mid-August and September. The heat of the battle looking yeah, for your it, playoff spot. Yeah. You know, your, your roster decisions can really change based on where you are, right? A mm-hmm. first place team with a comfortable lead, like definitely going to make their head-to-head playoffs. You know, they've already secured their bye. They get to be the ones that are like, I'll take a flyer on on this struggling veteran, right? Like, I've got mm-hmm. some bench room. Let's see if Dalton Varsho figures it out in September, right? right? Or, you know, I'll hold on to Sean Murphy, who's sitting all the time right now, because maybe he plays a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, you know, we don't know if he's playing through an injury or what. Uh, Sean Murphy someone who's really been playing a lot less since, you know, really the heat of the summer came on. Um, really strange. We haven't really been given a lot of explanations as to why Sean Murphy's doing that, but when you're in first place or you've secured your buy, or you kind of already know what's going to happen. You can't really screw it up. Mm-hmm. You say, okay, I can take a flyer on these guys for my fantasy playoffs or, or for the late push in Roto because I can afford it. But mm-hmm. if you're, you know, if you're in fifth fighting for that number four spot or like desperately trying to hang on to one of the top six spots for the playoffs, or you're, you know, you're just fighting Klein because the money is up to third and you're in fifth in Roto and, you know, it's an uphill battle to get there. You have to make tougher decisions because you can't wait, right? Like, yes, it's true. Dalton Varsho by projections is a top five catcher by pretty much every projection we have, but he's been so bad and you can't wait because we don't know when players will figure it out. If they figure it out this season, right? Like how weird would it be on one hand? How weird would it be if we say the best catcher in September was Dalton Varsho? He just went on a, he went on a heater, stole a couple bases. He was the guy. Wouldn't mm-hmm. be that weird. And, but it also like, no. and how weird would it be if, you know, over the, you know, over the winter, we hear Dalton Varsho figured out that he had screwed up something with his front foot or, you know, some mechanical adjustment. I could just, I could just see the mining, uh, the news uh, yeah. articles. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> saying so something like, like that. Yeah. So that's the thing. Um, You can wait for that when you're in first or, you know, you really not, you're really not like trying to fight and claw for something right now. But again, if you're in sixth trying to make sure you get in the playoffs, if you're in fourth trying to get in the money in Roto, if you're in a points league and you just don't know what's going to happen, you can't afford to make that call. So Mm -hmm. early in the season, it was easy to say stash and see what happens. At this point, you have to say like, hey, look, if you're really desperate and you've got Sean Murphy and you just can't deal with, you know, especially in like a points league where you can't deal with a guy who's not playing, like go see if Wilson Contreras, you know, if Wilson Contreras is out there, Absolutely. Right. (laughs) Do I project Wilson Contreras to be better than Sean Murphy? I do not, but that doesn't mean that's how it's going to happen, obviously. And if Sean Murphy is sitting right now and keeping you from making your playoffs, like that's not, that's a very different kind of decision you need to make. So Mm -hmm. in, you know, so like a, a Brandon Lau is someone who, if you're like, you know what, I'm in first, my power is a little shaky. Um, I've got a deep bench. He can sit on it. See if he turns something on like Brandon Lau goes on crazy hot streaks. He He's done it once or twice this season. Mm-hmm. That's just, I mean, it's just very much their nature, uh, especially, you know, free swing and lefties like Lau. So you could do that, 
right? But if that's not you, if you are in a much more desperate position, look, Lau's got to go, right? Like you can't, you can't sit around and wait. If there are good second basemen out on the wire, I mean, Orlando Arcia hasn't, I thought he'd have a really good weekend against the Mets and the, you know, Atlanta has scored a bazillion runs against really? the Mets and Arcia. Orlando Arcia has had nothing to do with it. Very frustrating, <laughs> but like you need, you need to go get like a dependable second baseman or even just like a flyer on a second baseman because you can't wait for Lau to turn it around because your season is much shorter, mm-hmm. right? When, when at this point, if you are fighting and clawing, you are truly week to week. Now, week to week projections are like darn near impossible to do. Uh, but for example, uh, it's good to know that you're going to, you're going to be listening to this on Monday morning. What you should know is Colorado's at home that week, right? So like you now can make a cut that I wouldn't always recommend, right? Like you might have a slumping outfielder and, and I normally would say like, ah, Nolan Jones, he's a little like shaky. He's a power hitter. He's streaky, but he's about to be at home for the whole week. Or Ezekiel Tovar has been, you know, he's more of like a, a hit and speed guy, but he's been kind of hot and he's going to be in Colorado all week. Or Ryan McMahon, a guy who I famously just don't care that much about. All of a sudden, a lot more interesting if you're fighting and clawing and you need a good week, right? Like lots of folks in head dead leagues have to win this week. They mm-hmm. have to win two of the next three, something like that. So make those decisions that you know, like when you look at my hitter list uh, and you're in that position, you kind of it's not meant for you necessarily, right? I don't build that list to say, um, this is for the folks that have to win right now. It's more of a general projection going forward based on, you know, trying to factor in risk, trying to factor in all these things. That's what like hitter lists and rank, like the rankings are for, right? But if you're in the desperate position, you get to say like, yeah, um, you know, uh, uh, a ranking I trust has this guy at one twentieth, but I'm going to cut him for a hitter that they project at two hundredth because he's got really good matchups this week. He's been hot, and I need something now. Mm. And uh, time for since we were talking about the the Braves, uh, you're right. Uh, Sean Murphy has only played eight games in the last two weeks, uh, so maybe there is something underlying there, and it's uh, time for my weekly. Wow, have you seen what Matt Elson has done? <laughs> Guy's got 42 home runs, 105 RBI, and, you know, Freddie Freeman's having an amazing year for the And it's Dodgers. not September. 42 home runs, it's not September. Right, right. Like, it is mid-August. It is yeah. actually when this will release on August 14th. It is not right. even halfway through the month of August. Guy's got 42 yeah. home runs. Atlanta, so if you can get any piece of the Atlanta offense, you should. Because, yeah. I mean, again, this is not genius level analysis here. Um, they're really good. They are, you know, like I will bench just about any pitcher against Atlanta. It's just mm-hmm. not worth it. Right? right. They they can explode at any given time. Um, even if your pitcher does well, like the win will still get stolen. Right. Because mm-hmm. Atlanta just does that. Right. Like right. normally I care a lot more about a guy like Michael Harris, the second hitting ninth. Right. So. I've been asked a lot, like, do you think, you know, he's been good? Do you think he'll move up in the order? And the answer is no, not really. Uh, Atlanta likes hitting him ninth. They like this two leadoff man sort of thing. I don't Mm -hmm. love it. It's not great for fantasy, but that's the way Atlanta is. So that's what they're going to do. But uh, when you hit ninth for Atlanta, you still get plenty of plate appearances. This lineup churns and churns and churns. So like the, the, you know, it's one thing when you're hitting ninth for like uh, Oakland, right? Like that's three plate appearances a game. Like mm-hmm. flat, right? That's it. Uh, and Atlanta, you might come up six times. 
you know, yeah. it's, a, it's so, it's so different from that perspective. Um, like every part of this offense is humming. Um, the only players I kind of don't recommend from it outside of a streaming scenario would be like an Eddie Rosario, who is just a guy who swings way too much and will sit against every left-hander, uh, no matter how bad, but yeah, I mean, this, this all kind of loops into this, this strategy for this time of year. Mm-hmm. And Again, it's it becoming much less about what do you project going forward rest of season um, if you're in that fighting position. If you're in that middle of the pack rankings, you no longer care about what I project rest of season. You project like, what about the next few weeks? Is this the opportunity I need? Is hmm. this the difference? Like, Is this going to make the difference? Because projections aren't going to like the difference between a great player and a good player in terms of like a two week projection is like one home run and five RBI, but that's not how it will actually work out. It's just the projections are going to have sort of the, the, you know, the 50th percentile outcome. It's going to be really tightly packed, but in reality, those results are going to be very far spread out. This is where, you know, the, the rubber meets the road. You got to make some decisions, not just based on projections. You have to say, okay, who's got, you know, yeah, that's the general projection, but like, let's look at these lineups. Let's look at, you know, is this guy been hitting higher in the lineup rate lately? Is this guy facing some bad pitching teams, right? Uh, is this guy going to some hitter friendly ballpark soon, right? Projections won't give you much of a shift in that regard. Like you're almost playing DFS style baseball right now. Uh, when you're in that, when you're in that fight. And I actually recommend looking at some DFS articles because those guys do research, uh, that way down the rabbit hole, right? And you can't necessarily do that for a, for a full season. You can't do it in like, you know, in Roto, there's only so much value to get from that. Cause you can't be cutting really good players because this guy has a one day, really good matchup. But when you're in the fight, right? Look at those matchups, right? Like look at, I mean, a- Atlanta was not just a great pick this, you know, the back, the back end pieces for Atlanta weren't just a good choice this weekend because of um, the fact that Atlanta has a really good offense. They also played four games, mm-hmm. right? So they, they got a, you know, they got the double header with the Mets on Saturday and they also played them Friday and Sunday. The Mets mm-hmm. certainly don't pitch like they used to, right? Like all those guys are gone. So it, they and were going to really get even pick. better for the Braves this week. Cause they, they face the Yankees for three games. And yeah. The Yankees uh, starting rotations and is decimated. So, yeah. Uh, and actually this is a really, I'm glad you mentioned this coming week because mm-hmm. the thing about this coming week is a ton of teams are off twice. Mm-hmm. Right. A bunch of teams are off twice and some of them aren't. And when you're just fighting and clawing that one or two extra games can really make a difference, especially in like a points format. Yeah. How does that happen? Like I even saw like uh, there was a, a team that has like a week. St. Louis off. is off today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really, How does that I've happen? never seen a team off on Sunday. Well, yeah. It, on a it's weekend. really bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well. I, it doesn't make any sense to me, but, but yeah, I mean, if you just go and look at, uh, you know, look at schedules, a lot of teams are off both Monday and Thursday, yeah. right? Toronto is off both days. Uh, the White Sox Usually are off both days. It's either a Monday or a Thursday, but this yeah. week, yeah, is a little different. The Twins, the Cubs, the Reds, the Brewers, all those teams are off both days. And I think there's only a, like a small handful of teams that actually play every day this coming week, mm-hmm. right? It would be Kansas City with a four-game set against Seattle and the Cubs. Uh, Seattle, because they've got that four game set with the Royals. And then they're also at Houston. Mm. Uh, the Mets will play Pittsburgh and then go to St. Louis. So they play every day. Um, and you know, St. Louis, again, they're another team. They've got three at home against Oakland, four against the Mets, St. Louis, a really good team to stream from this week, right? They're not going to mm-hmm. face a lot of tough pitching between Oakland and the Mets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Padres will play, 
uh, every day this coming week, along with the Diamondbacks. So mm-hmm. that's it. That was all the teams playing all seven days this week, right? Yeah. And in points leagues, that matters, right? Like the 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 Diamondbacks, three they start the week three games in Colorado, right? Then At they got to go to San yeah. Diego. Um, so that's less fun, but there's there's a lot of opportunities again st louis really a team that i'm, I'm kind of looking at like who can i are there good streamers on the wire uh, uh, for st louis because they're going to get a ton of opportunities to score runs at home against two teams that can't pitch or win <laughs> right in oakland and uh the mets so this is the time of year where this matters the most this all gets lost in the wash over a full season um because everybody plays the same number of games in the end right but when you're just looking at you know a especially in a points league Th- those four extra plate appearances mean a lot right mm-hmm. you it's not uncommon to lose by five points right and you can get those five points in one plate appearance but now you get four more right or you know uh if i'm if i'm debating if i'm in a weekly league this is a big deal because if i'm debating between you know someone might have just picked up david schneider got some questions about uh david schneider the outfielder for Toronto came up, was extremely hot the first three days that that he comes up, uh, hit, hit some home runs, some extra base hits. And then he's actually had a really rough weekend. And he's also sitting, hmm. right? So David Schneider also sitting a couple times. When you combine the fact that David Schneider is might be in a platoon and only has five games this week, and so at best, you get five games. He, he, bet, he sits one time, all of a sudden you're at four. Sits hmm. twice, you're at three, right? Like, it becomes very easy then to make the decision to say, David Schneider, okay, like you might have to sit on my bench because I need games. Right. Right. Like combined with the fact that he's had, you know, I haven't seen his Sunday stats yet because he hasn't played yet today, but um, that's, they've, he's had a really rough weekend, lots of strikeouts, not getting hits. So like it becomes much easier to make that decision because I'm not just trying to think about, you know, who's hot right now. I've got this extra piece of, and he's going to play less guaranteed, right? To run, mm-hmm. he, especially because if he, again, if he only sits one time, he's down to four games in a week, that's catcher at bats, right? Like that's not what I want from an outfielder. So this is again, a big time of the year to look at, like, just look at the schedule grid. Fangraphs has a really good one. If you go to roster resource, uh, you look at the in-season tools, they've got a schedule grid. You can see the games that are coming up, how many times they sit, the white spots or the off days, right? And look for teams that don't have white spots. Right. Not Again. only that, take a look at the, you know, keep checking box scores, see where guys are, are hitting in the lineup. I mean, obviously what you said is obviously a hundred percent true. You know, if you're on the bench, you're not going to be providing fantasy production, but also, uh, you know, you talked about Michael Harris batting ninth and, you know, with the juggernaut offense that the Braves have, he's still going to get plenty of at bats, but you're, you're hopefully, especially even in head to head, you're looking for, and, and, and points leagues, you're looking for guys that are hitting at the top of the lineup, too. And we've mentioned, too, in, in, in previous editions of this podcast, man, you know, keep on talking about, you know, Rockies hitters. But, you know, they're playing at home this week. So, you know, it might be a good streaming option for them as well. I mean, they're always a viable option when they're at home for a whole week, sure. right? Every once in a while, it, it just lines up nicely that the Rockies play every game at home, right? They mm-hmm. do have... uh they have one off day, but hey, man, at at home, it doesn't matter who they, you know, who pitches against them, right? It's mm-hmm. going to be the Diamondbacks and the White Sox who are okay at pitching, um, but it doesn't matter because it's Colorado, right? right? Like there right. might be a day of adjustment, but usually the adjustment coming into cores is really fast. It's the adjustment after they leave that takes a little a little longer, but this is the time again. You know, we, I cannot stress it enough. Look at those lineups. 
there's several sites that have lineup trackers. Fangraphs has a good one. Like look to see, you know, like, okay, who for Colorado is hitting near the top of the order that might be available. Jerickson mm-hmm. Profar plays a lot. Right. He, he does get more off days than some of his teammates, but Jerks and Profar is going to be at the top of this lineup. He hasn't been good lately, but he's there. Uh, Ezekiel Tovar hits first or second pretty much every single day mm-hmm. and is available in all leagues. He was actually a highly touted prospect. Tovar, right. he was someone that was a sleeper coming into drafts. He, you know, he, he's got some juice. If you're desperate, you know, look at Brendan Rogers. Brendan Rogers just came back to this team. He hasn't yeah. been great since he's returned, but um, he's going to hit third or fourth and he's probably going to play the vast majority of those games. Right. Nolan you need Jones. a catcher. Yeah. Some Nolan power, Jones. He's couple steals. Yeah. He, you know, he's there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Elias Diaz, not many mm-hmm. catchers get to hit fourth or fifth. Elias Diaz is going to hit fourth or fifth and he's going to do it at home. Mm-hmm. Right. So these are, again, these are players that are often available in 12 team wires uh, because they're not that good, right? They're not worth holding through slumps. They're not worth holding through extended road trips, but that's not what they're going to be on. Uh, mm-hmm. And the earlier you can grab them, the better off you'll be. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just back to Matt Olson. I mean, you know, the Braves, they they let Freddie Freeman walk and, and, you know, he's having a tremendous year also for the Dodgers had just an amazing player. Now he's adding 16 steals to his his repertoire, stole 13 uh, bases last season. But uh, Braves not really skipping a beat with letting Freeman walk and and, and signing uh, Olsen. Matt Olson to a long-term contract. And we've talked about this in the past, how so many of their young players are signed to long-term team-friendly contracts. So they're going to be good for a long, long time. Yeah, he's under contract until 2029, and there's Mm -hmm. a 2030 club option. Mm -hmm. Um, Matt Olson, again, like you mentioned, he's got a full-season stat line already, and he's played 116 games. He could (laughs) go down right now. He'll still finish as one of the best third basemen uh, in fantasy. Or, sorry, first baseman in fantasy, because he's already got a full stat line. 42 home runs, 92 runs scored, 105 RBI. Uh, He's a real threat to get to, like, 140 RBI this season. And that line, Uh, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it's really nice to see the batting average come back up for mm-hmm. Matt Olson. Um, one, I mean, it helps when you have a fifty-seven point five percent hard hit rate. That's like obscene. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's ridiculous to have a ninety. His av- his his average exit velocity this season is ninety-five miles an hour. That means Matt Matt Olson's average hit is a hard hit ball. Right. You see that in the 57.5% hard hit rate. Like most of them are hit really hard. Uh, must be nice uh, to be that talented. Um, you know, some of it is a, maybe a tiny bit suspect, right? Like a 29% home run fly ball rate is kind of weird, but it's not as though he's made like big changes to his approach. He hasn't all of a sudden started pulling the ball a bunch more. He's actually pulling it less. Uh, Matt Olson is he's not, you know, his, his ground ball rate is lower than last season, but not that much lower. His fly ball rate is higher, but not that much higher than it's been in the past. He's just, he's just locked in Matt Olson. Yeah. Uh, just every, I mean, again, eight, like an 18.8% barrel rate means like one in five, like almost one in five batted balls are a barrel, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, yeah. that's just something. I mean, there's no, like, no, you, you cannot project this kind of outcome. He's going to clear 50 home runs. Oh, no uh, doubt. He, yeah. He's going to do all this stuff. So maybe even approach 60. I mean, because <laughs> it seems he's carrying my TGFBI league and I do watch box scores, but, you know, I, I see his even more because, like I said, he's on, on my TGFBI team. And it just seems that every day or every other day he's hitting a home run lately. So, yeah. And, and but it's worth noting that on the hitter list, he's not the first first baseman, mm-hmm. right? Because it's. It's former Atlanta player Freddie Freeman 
So Freddie Freeman is my is my top uh, first baseman right now, and and quite frankly, he'll probably be my top first baseman going into drafts next year. Actually, had a nice talk about him uh, earlier this week with Ariel Cohen on Beat the Shift. Uh, we got to guest on that podcast, and and both of us talked about how our best pick uh, in drafts was Freddie Freeman because mm-hmm. we ranked Freddie Freeman a little higher than than the pack. But you know, I think to to bring that into you know current season um, strategy. Number one, there's not really strategy with Matt Olson. You just plug him in and you right. say, yay, he's so good. Plug him but <laughs> but uh, I think if I was going to try to get a lesson out of that, it's he's been amazing. He will likely be amazing for the rest of the season. But um, there's you never actually know like what's going to happen week to week. Like if, if Matt Olson goes two for 22 next week for some reason, right? This is not likely to happen. But happen. if it did, yeah. if it did. Uh, mm-hmm. I would expect in the AMA for someone to say, what's wrong with Matt Olson? Right. Um, right. And the answer is nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing is wrong. There's nothing wrong with that happening. Uh, unless we've been told there's an injury or someone can show me something very visual that's happening. Um, that's just how it goes, man. Look, like, I, I've said it before. Baseball season, long season, just a, a series of peaks and valleys, hot streaks and cold streaks. But the better players are going to have more hot streaks. And when we talk about upside, you know, you hear us say all the time, oh, this player has more upside than that player. It's not about um, that they're necessarily like more consistent, right? What it actually means is when they're hot, what can they do? We actually saw this with Bo Bichette last season, who had a slow first half, really explodes in the second half. Mm. Uh, And the thing with Bo Bichette was we kept saying he's got a ton of upside because when he's hot, he's unreal. Right. We've mm-hmm. seen the same thing uh, with Kyle Tucker, Kyle Tucker, a guy I kept in my top 10 pretty much all season. And, and I got some flack for it early in the year because like he's not doing it. He's not doing it. And all of a sudden, look, he's on a pace for another 30, 30 season. And he's right? been carrying and, my tout team. Too. <laughs> yeah, that's I know because, he's one of your guys has been and, one of and your guys that's, for a long time. That's the thing about Kyle Tucker. When mm-hmm. he's hot, he's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. right? Like he can look a little ugly for a while. Doesn't mean anything's wrong. Like it might mean something's wrong, but it's not something wrong that we can figure out and do anything about. Um, he, he, you know, you have to trust that the player will make the adjustment and it'll step forward. And, you know, I expect Sean Murphy to make an adjustment and hit better than he's been. You know, he's not been a good hitter in the second half. Um, I expect it to get better. Um, unless, a, because I don't have any information to suggest that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't have anything to suggest that he is injured. All I can do is speculate because he's not playing as much, but is he not playing as much because he's not necessarily bringing it with the bat? And this team has Travis Darno, who's a decent hitter. Is that what it is? Right. Is it because um, Marcelo Zuna has been really good at DH? So they want to give Murphy, you know, they want Murphy to just catch, be fresh for the playoffs. And they're letting Travis Darno do more. Like there's so many reasons that this could be happening and we just don't know. And I try to avoid sort of that speculation because you're, it can make you feel really stupid. Like you'll be mm-hmm. right once in a blue moon. And a lot of times you'll be like, oh, that must be what's going on. And all of a sudden, right. There were people that were like, oh, you should, you should sell high on Pete Alonzo because the wrist injury, well, like it's all still there. All the power still there. Mm-hmm. Right. It just was a little slow coming back. Maybe it was injury. Maybe it was just like regular power hitter slump. Mm-hmm. Right. So as much as I'm saying you need to make dramatic moves, especially if you're in the middle of the pack, don't like you're not make sure you're not doing anything desperate unless you're truly that desperate. Mm-hmm. And so you bring up Sean Murphy. So I'm looking up his stats over his last 72 plate appearances, batting 167, two homers and eight RBI. 
I mean, he's not a guy that you're going to cut necessarily, are you? I mean, this guy. I is- would have to be so desperate, and there would yeah. have to be such a good alternative available, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the thing is, I don't know exactly what's on the wire in your league, but mm-hmm. generally speaking, like uh, Francisco Alvarez ain't going to cut it. Right. right? Um, a lot of these, you know, Cal Rayleigh, who's been sort of hot lately, he's not going to cut it. Right. I'm not cutting Sean Murphy for that. You know, a guy who I know is just kind of going to be up and down and happens to be up right now uh, for a guy like Sean Murphy to make that kind of cut. I mean, Sal Perez is maybe a little bit easier because he's been slumping for even longer, actually. And Sal Perez has always been an extremely streaky sort of hitter. Because he just he's extremely aggressive. Um, he swings at everything. He never wants to walk. And when you're cold or potentially slightly hurt, I have no idea. Not really trying to speculate to that. Um, it just, you know, things can go wrong in a hurry. And it can take a long time for that to get better. Yeah. Is Freddie Furman playing enough to warrant consideration? Not for those two guys. Right. Like I'm not, not, not I, like, for not for Murphy. I, right? I'm not I don't want to I'm not dropping him for uh, Freddie Furman, because mm-hmm. the thing about Furman is like, yes, he's been quite good this season. But like this is the ceiling. Right. And it's not going to last, you know, forever. Right. Like you're seeing the best he can possibly be. And it's sort of what we'd want Sean Murphy to be like, not even when he's hot. Right. Just kind of like normal. That's mm-hmm. what Sean Murphy has been. So do I cut Sean Murphy for a guy who at his peak can kind of look like normal Sean Murphy for a few weeks. That's not really what I want to do. I, I don't think like long-term that's the way to go, but you know, again, William Contreras might be flopping around on waiver wires. He plays a lot. Um, he, he's doing some good things that could be worth it. Um, but like, that's sort of it, right? Like there's just not, there's not that many catchers. Number one that play that much more, right? Mm-hmm. Sitting twice a week is normal for a catcher. Oh, the only yeah, problem absolutely. for Murphy sure. is he's down to like three times. The only guy who doesn't um, do that is, is Adley Rutschman because w- when he does sit, he's DHing. They just want to keep his bat in the lineup, but you're right about catchers. Yeah. That's very rare that they'll play, you know, six or you know, seven yeah. games so, in a week. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at that, you know, that quote unquote desperate move, I got to cut, you know, a guy who is, is really valuable to me or, you know, who is, is really well projected. Make sure you're doing it for something. Right. Like it's got to be better than just like a guy. Um, You can't again, like William and Wilson Contreras are guys that they're probably just about good enough. Right. Because I'm like, I'm pretty sure those are going to be top 10 catchers rest of the way, but I'm not doing it for a Tyler Stevenson. Uh, I'm not doing it for Kybert Ruiz, who Mm. is hitting better. Right. And we thought he would. Um, He's, you know, he's actually been much, much better so far in the month of in the month of August. He's got several multi hit games. He's hit some home runs, which is really cool. He's playing quite a bit for a catcher, a 176 uh, WRC plus for Ruiz. But like, I'm not sure in Roto leagues, that's good enough, Hmm. right? In points, it becomes a little bit more debatable because Kybert Ruiz is a guy who will take plenty of walks, rarely strikes out, puts a lot of stuff in play, which is very rare for catchers. He's a guy who can hit for a high average. Again, very rare for a catcher. So like maybe in a very, very, very desperate points league, but like, I need a lot of info before I'll let, before I'll tell you like, yeah, this is a good idea. Like there's so many things you're going to have to tell me and they have to be a very specific thing, right? Like I, you know, uh, Sean Murphy is not, you know, there's no next season implication. So it's not like I'd get to keep Sean Murphy and, um, I have to win basically every game for the rest of the season. And, um, it's, you know, hitters don't, you know, 
almost never lose points. So every time he makes contact, pretty much, uh, you know, like plate appearances might be worth a point, something like that. Like there's a scenario where Kybert Ruiz could be a guy I'd consider. But again, points league, very specific format. Um, Actually, one that's negative for K's, which makes catchers even harder to roster, but you have to roster a catcher. So many things have to happen before I make that move. But like, we're getting to the point where it's a reality because there was no reality in June or July where I'd say yes to this. Yeah. So, yeah, it depends on, you know, I don't know, but if the Contreras brothers are available, maybe they might be available in a 10 teamer, but 12 teamer, maybe not. But yeah, or half your team stopped paying attention. They've already started their football mock drafts. Like it's possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, all right, let's take our first break. We've been going for a while. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk about uh, the Texas Rangers made some uh, roster moves based on the injury to Josh Young. Uh, Talk about Trevor Story making his debut. We talked about him last week, but he actually played some games. And uh, the Astros. Uh, Nice story out of Houston. We'll uh, talk all about that right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? And you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick the two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or underdogfantasy in the app store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. In Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part, you decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. And we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galina and Scott Chu. You could follow me on Twitter or X, whatever you prefer, at Joe Galina. You could follow Scott Chu at If The Chew Fits. And uh, teased about the Rangers making some moves uh, this week. And uh, JP Martinez, uh, their outfield prospect, was called up. They DFA'd Bubba Thompson. Their uh, third baseman, Josh Young, who was enjoying a breakout season, unfortunately suffered a fracture in his left thumb, going to be out six to eight weeks, has had surgery. 
Um, not sure how much playing time uh, JP Martinez, not JD, JP Martinez is going to get, but uh, he could play all three outfield slots. And with uh, Ezekiel Duran going to be spending some more time playing third base, might leave some at-bats open uh, for the Rangers. I mean, they have uh, obviously Adolis Garcia is not going anywhere, but uh, Leody Tavares has been slumping a little bit, but they also have Travis Jankowski, Robbie Grossman in their outfield mix. So, uh, you know, what do you think in terms of playing time for JP Martinez moving forward? Yeah. So the first thing I will mention actually is about Travis Jankowski of all players. We don't talk about him much. He's uh he's just a speedster that has some mild relevant in 50 team leagues. Um, the one thing I, you know, we talked about, you know, looking at lineups and seeing what's going on. There's also some context here. Jankowski's on paternity leave for the weekend. So that's going to give JP Martinez, who is also a lefty, uh, a couple extra opportunities. So it's going to be hard to yeah, it's going to be hard to project what JP Martinez's role will be with this team after Jankowski returns from the paternity list. Um, Martinez himself, not someone I'm I'm super interested in in 12 team leagues. Uh, he has had a good season down uh down in triple A. 12 of home which runs. Which it's a Pacific Coast League, right? So those yeah. uh, offensive stats might be inflated a yeah. little bit. Which is a great reason to use WRC Plus when you're looking at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a 138 WRC Plus. So that that tells me he is hitting well, even for a very offensive-friendly league. Mm-hmm. Uh, he walks a ton. Um, strikes out eh, a little bit above average. 24% in the minors. Likely looks like 20 eight to 30% in the majors um, could be a little higher. You never know. Speedster, man. Greasy fast speed. 33 stolen yeah. bases in 67 games. Yeah. And, and that's where the fantasy intrigue is. So if he can play enough, uh, I do expect him to, to run steal bases. This team doesn't have a ton of guys that can steal a lot of bases. Um, Tavares can do it. Uh, Duran can do it. Uh, but they actually bat all those guys in like the bottom of the order. <laughs> um, Adoles Garcia does, but he hasn't done it quite as much this season. Um, so, so that'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, they've actually been shuffling this lineup in some strange ways as well. They've actually sat Corey Seager twice against right-handers. Hmm. I have no idea why that has happened. Um, it's not as though Corey Seager is struggling. He's when healthy, he's one of the best hitters in the league. So, uh, I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, JP Martinez, though. A guy who, you know, projected going forward, I would expect pretty rough ratios, but he could steal. And that's really what you have to sort of bank on, right? Like you, you can't expect a whole lot more than that to be relevant. Uh, This is a guy who doesn't hit very many fly balls. You kind of don't want him to because he's not strong enough. Uh, So far, he's only had six batted balls, but none of them have qualified for a hard hit. Um, Again, extremely small sample. I'm not saying he can't hit the ball hard sometimes, but this is a guy who is probably going to hit a lot of ground balls and line drives, um, and that's what he needs to get to first base and hopefully steal second. That's where the fantasy intrigue would come in. But Mm -hmm. uh, the problem here is that uh, they've got another lefty who can do that, who actually does exactly that. He's just on paternity leave, and that's Travis Jankowski. Travis Jankowski is a guy who uh, puts the ball in play a lot. He's actually hitting 292 this season in 75 How many games. How does he get, by the way? I know you got six. The, the yeah, I think he's only going to get a few days, unfortunately. Oh, okay. right. okay. <laughs> He'll get the weekend. But uh, Jankowski's actually been a good hitter 
for uh, the Rangers. He's a he's a veteran player. He's a pretty decent defender. Uh, he has 16 stolen bases in 75 games. So as much as I like JP Martinez, um, you know, generally because he's had some decent minor league numbers, I just don't think there's enough opportunity here, right? Mm-hmm. This is a guy who, if he was coming up for Oakland, I'd be a lot more interested mm-hmm. because he'd get to run a lot. They play him every single day. They don't really have a choice. There might be something there. Right. But in Texas, a, a playoff bound team that has a left handed corner outfielder that they can rely on in Travis Jankowski. Um, I wonder if JP Martinez goes back down by the time Jankowski's back or becomes a, a reserve guy. Uh, because I, I also think that Leone Tavares, who should be dropped in, you know, most leagues, because uh, he's just not that good, uh, he is their everyday center fielder. So, uh, that's the the only real news I think that you can take from this is that Ezekiel Duran, who's hitting a little bit better lately and who had been hitting really poorly, does have an everyday role while Young is out. Mm-hmm. So Duran can sit on the back of your roster for a little while longer. If you never got around to cutting him, maybe he does something. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we talked about Trevor story last week, uh, anticipating his return. He did make his return uh, to the big leagues. This week, um, playing shortstop, some DH, actually stole a base on Friday night, went two for four, and uh, got what was presumed to be a routine rest day on Saturday. Uh, you had mentioned to temper expectations, at least for the short term, in terms of his playing time with uh, Travis Story, right? Yeah, I did. And, <clears throat> I mean, he's going to get some rest days. Uh, interestingly, he's actually, uh, the Red Sox have already started playing today. Uh, while we've been talking, they had an early start today and he's got a double good mm. for him. Look at um, him. Look at him go striking out a ton. Mm. Uh, this was something we saw last season yeah, we as did, well. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, that's, that's been a little scary. Seven strikeouts in 17 plate appearances. That's a 43.8% strikeout rate, uh, 16 plate. Uh, that's actually, I think it's a little bit better than that now. Yeah. It's down to 41.2 now. Cause he didn't strike out when he hit that double. Look but, that. um, yeah, that, that strikeout rate has to get below. I mean, 30% is as high could, as it could possibly be. And if it's that high, then the ratios will be just awful. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, uh, it's worth noting story was never a consistent player, not ever. Right. Um, at first, cause he was in Colorado and then also because, um, you know, he had injury issues last year and he was kind of up and down. He'd go through these strikeout periods. He's not like, He's a, he's a guy who could provide some really meaningful home runs and stolen bases. If he continues to hit in the middle of this lineup, uh, there could be some good counting stats there too, but it's going to get ugly. Like there are going to be stretches like this where he just looks awful. And if you're going to play Trevor story, you have to take the good with the bad. He's always been a guy who swings a lot. He's always been a guy who, uh, will swing and miss. I mean, it was never as bad as it, uh, is sort of his reputation, but you know, at least for the last, you know, 98 games he's played, it's been pretty bad. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's getting a little older. He's actually only 30, but that body feels a little older just because he always, he went on the IL just about every season, uh, but just for a little bit, right. <laughs> uh, he was always banged up. He's always something, but again, story is this is going to be this boom bust uh, combo meal kind of guy, right? He'll have these games where he has a home run and a steal and, and a bunch of other stuff. And then he'll go like four straight games with six strikeouts mm-hmm. across them, right? Like mm-hmm. it's going to be up and down. And that's sort of the position you need to be in to take him on your roster. 
you need to say like, I, it doesn't matter because I need, you know, if he's going to explode, I need it. That's, you know, him going off Trevor story going off is, is what I need. Um, I can't play it safe. I got to go big. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the play for Trevor story and everything we've seen suggests that that's still the play. Who would you have, uh, if anybody dropped at the shortstop position for story? Like, let's say if you were running with, uh, I don't know, Jeremy Pena, uh, you know. Yeah. So, you know, story, I, some formats, I think he's only second base because that's all he played for Boston last season. But middle infield, I mean, this yeah. is a middle infield, right? right. Like he was never going to crack like quite the starting. But Jeremy Pena is a good name for that because Pena just hasn't been the guy we wanted him to be. Uh, he had that long slump in the middle of last year and uh, he came out of it around this time. And, you know, was great for the rest of the season, was amazing in the playoffs, but it's hard to bank on that, right? Because mm -hmm. we haven't, you know, Jeremy Pena didn't give us the burst that he gave us early this season to suggest that there's more to his game. I'm Plus, starting remember to remember that World Series he had last year. We, we, we were going, we were thinking that that would carry over into the season. Unfortunately, it hasn't, right? Yeah, it absolutely has not. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, he's he feels more like a middle infield kind of play to me, but there are, you know, there are guys that I was willing to, I mean, I, I advise people if they had Ezekiel Duran in their middle infield, like, yeah, mm -hmm. go ahead. Right. It hasn't worked out for you so far yet, but like Trevor story is basically like Ezekiel Duran with more upside um, because Ezekiel Duran is also a very streaky player, free swinging kind of player. So I'd probably make that move. Um, if you've, geez, I'm trying to think of like some guys who maybe, I mean, Nolan Gorman is striking out a ton again. Mm -hmm. Um, that would be someone I'd consider uh, if you haven't been able to find a replacement for the previously hot and now out for the season, Brendan Donovan, uh, mm -hmm. that might be a move uh, that you could consider. Um, if you've been like resorting to guys like Mauricio Dubon all year, like sure. Mm -hmm. Right. at second base, but like certainly not letting go of a guy like Kim or Stott oh, or Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe, Oh man, I'd have to, I'd have to think about this for just a little bit, but you know, yeah, I, I don't, yeah. I just, there's just not that many. Good names, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, like I probably would rather have Andre Simenez. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeff McNeil has been pretty good. Right. Um, you know, Zach, Gilof, about Ahmed Rosario, Ahmed Rosario. Oh, so that's, that's probably a good one. If you've been mm -hmm. using Ahmed Rosario, um, so Rosario, I thought he was just going to be like a pure platoon guy. They've been playing him a little more than I thought they would, but, uh, he's not an everyday player. Mm -hmm. uh, that much we do know about Ahmed Rosario. And the problem with Ahmed Rosario is that his skill set overall is actually fairly limited. He need he kind of needed to be this player who played every single day because he would accumulate the stats you need over an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, Rosario has been fairly good lately. Um, and the Dodgers do have a lot of games coming up. So, so that, I mean, you, you might, I mean, he's, they're off on Monday, but he might be maybe worth it depending on how many righties they see, but Rosario needs lefties, right? Because mm -hmm. like he sat against uh, two of the last four right-handed pitchers that they've seen. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to be fantasy relevant on the short side of a platoon uh, with Rosario who mostly plays shortstop and second base for this team, but they've got other guys that they can do that. Um, obviously Mookie Betts, uh, Miguel Rojas is actually playing more than him or about as much. So yeah, I think Ahmed Rosario is one who, mm -hmm. if you've been holding on to him, this, that would be a move that I would make, uh, for a player with a lower floor, but a much higher ceiling. Mm. Okay. Um, feel good story out of Houston Astros, right? Remember John Singleton? 
He's back. He's back. Jose Abreu on the 10-day IL with back inflammation, and, and Singleton's been playing some first base for the Astros. I, I didn't realize how big this guy was. His baseball reference bio says he's six feet tall, 256 pounds. So I haven't had a chance to take a look at, you know, recent footage of him playing uh, for the Astros, but that's a huge man. <laughs> uh, took an 0 for 4 on Saturday, but prior to that has uh, had two home runs, five RBI, three walks in his first three games for the Astros. I, I call it a feel-good story because the guy's, I, th- I think he's 31 by now. And, you know, uh, he basically wasn't in on that the, the, the resurgence of the – remember how bad the Astros were years and years ago? Um, and unfortunately, I, he, I don't think he was on the World Series winning uh, teams, definitely not the last years. But uh, you look at uh, – he played 11 years in the, in the minor leagues, played in Mexico, played in Puerto Rico. Uh, so just good to see – you know, him back in the major leagues. I don't know if he becomes a, a streaming option or maybe a DFS option for you uh, with uh, Abreu on the uh, the short-term IL. But uh, like I said, just good to see him back in baseball. Yeah, like, like not really a lot of fantasy relevance here. Singleton yeah. has some power. He might be worth like a, like a one-day start in like a DFS sort of scenario. Right. Actually, the, one of the reasons, and I mean, if you're an Astros fan, you've, you're obviously aware of this by now because they've probably talked about it a million times on the broadcast. John Singleton was the first player to get the sign and promote deal, right? So they signed him to a long-term contract, then promoted him, mm-hmm. uh, which we see all the time now, right? I mean, uh, we, we saw... We see players all the time get this deal now. You know, Atlanta loves it, right? Because they get these really nice, uh, what appear, you know, they're very team friendly, but they're like only slightly less team friendly than arbitration would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Singleton was one of the top prospects in baseball. He and George Springer were going to be what turned this team around. And that was partially true. George Springer was a very big part of the, uh, uh, of the 20, you know, sort of the, the later Astros teams that were good, but yeah, this happened in 2014. It's been almost a decade Mm -hmm. since John Singleton had that original sign and promote deal. It's been a little over nine years. Um, And look, he's, they're letting him play. And that's, I mean, that's what we want to see. Honestly, Mm -hmm. it just, it comes down to that. I I hope he does well. Um, I, you know, he's not a proper fantasy replacement for Jose Abreu, but also like Jose Abreu should probably shouldn't have been on your fantasy team in 12 teamers or like a sort of a back end piece where like you're replacing him because he's hurt, but you might've just replaced him because he's cold. I think again, you know, if I'm trying to pull news out of this, it's, um, you know, uh, Yiner Diaz continues to play at least as much as most catchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played in for the last six. Uh, he gets DH time, especially against lefties. So, uh, and he hits, you know, he's hitting fifth, Yiner mm-hmm. Diaz. Um, so that's a really nice catching piece uh, that I would probably go after. And also, if you've still been rostering Chaz McCormick, uh, mm-hmm. it's probably time to move on. Um, the I feared that McCormick was simply hot. Uh, he came out of the break scorching hot, of course. Chaz McCormick did. He was a very popular outfield ad. But, you know, he's always been a fairly limited player. Uh, he just kind of was hot at the right time. And he's probably not going to be much of a provider for you for the rest of the season. So actually, you know, the the Astros are not the deep team they used to be. And, you know, I, I wouldn't actually in a 12-team league roster anyone outside of the top five hitters in their lineup. I wouldn't roster Singleton. I wouldn't roster McCormick. Not Pena. Uh, not Martin Maldonado, certainly not anyone on their bench like Mauricio Dubon or David Hensley or anything like that. Um, 
Jake Myers has been a little hot, but he's like an extreme platoon player who just like tries to swing it hard. Uh, so yeah, the, the Astros are a weird team right now, but they do score a ton of runs. Mm. And, you know, again, John Singleton, great story, but yeah. like, don't confuse that with like fantasy relevance. Right. He's just like, he's a cool story. So uh, I'll also just mention, you know, and you're right that, that, you know, Abreu, Jose Abreu has just had a terrible year. 10 home runs, 56 RBI, 234 batting average in 110 games. And you wonder, you know, is this back issue something that's bothered him for more time than we think? You know, because you look at his power numbers from last season and this season, they're just gone. Um, Or maybe, you know, know, sometimes teams put a a player on the IL just to give them a breather. But, you know, I don't want to read too much into it. But you're right, in 12-team leagues, uh, Abreu didn't uh, deserve to be rostered at this stage. Yeah, he was fine in June and July. Mm. Um, And actually, in July, it kind of started going downhill after the break. Uh, He's only hitting 225 in the second half through 100 plate appearances. Uh, 225 is not very good. Uh, in case you weren't sure, no, uh, his no strikeout problem. rate is fine. Uh, he was never a huge walker. He's, I mean, he's walking, you know, an average, a little slightly above average amount of the time. Uh, he's not hitting lefties or righties. Uh, those, you know, his home run numbers, he has 10 of them and all of them came in June and July. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't hit any in. well, he might've hit one in another month. Yeah. He had one in May nine, you know, nine across June and July where he was decent um, but he's not hitting doubles either. I just, I'm not, I haven't been interested in Jose Abreu all season. I'm not interested in him now. I won't be interested next season, even if we find out, oh yeah, he played through a back issue. He's 36. I, mm. I do everything through a back issue, right? I'm mm. 35, everything. I have a back issue every day, right? Again, I'm not a honed athlete. You change diapers with me. a back, bad back. You, you know, you, no, uh, it's all, yeah. I, I just have a bad back now, mm. right? Like 36 year old baseball players who put that kind of wear and tear on their body, they have bad backs, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I'm just, I, it just feels like the, it feels like all the juice has been squeezed. Bad backs and old Yankee fans like myself, uh, you know, we, we get scared anytime we hear of a back injury because it just reminds us of how uh, Don Manley's career just, you know, uh, tanked, you know, I won't say tanked, but you know how his power dissipated at the end of his career because of his, chronic back issues but uh, i can think of uh two success stories with with back issues so far mm -hmm. uh mike trout has been fairly good uh dealing with a degenerative back issue and uh christian yelich but not finally injury (laughs) yeah yeah yelich finally turned it around yeah yeah. uh, after multiple seasons of really struggling very good one Mm -hmm. back injuries but like Mm -hmm. that those are the success stories right Mm -hmm. and like Yelich isn't the player he was, but part of that's the rabbit ball, right? Mm-hmm. He had like those two big home run seasons this season. He'll probably just clear 20 home runs, mm-hmm. Yelich, but he'll steal close to 30 bases with a bad back uh, or yep. at least a bat. Like he's been able to manage it. And that's been the key. Um, and that's, you know, you love seeing players that are able to manage these things, but you know, he's also a different player than he was then. So mm-hmm. that was also part of the game. We see it with pitchers, like they sort of change who they are as they get older because they don't have the velocity. Maybe they don't have quite the extreme stuff. So they become more command and control guys. Uh, hitters have to do that too, as they get older and they sort of change, you know, many of them have to change what they are because they don't have the same power. They don't have quite the same uh, bat speed and those kinds of things. So Yelich has been a good example of how that can go right. Um, but yeah, uh, Abreu, 
fought it off for a long time. I, I just don't think he's got anything left. Mm, okay. This is a good time to take our second and last break of the podcast. When we come back, uh, we'll ask the question, should Vlad be eating more salads? Uh, we'll talk about, uh, again, about Josh Bell. We spoke about him last week, and he's just on fire. And uh, talk about, well, maybe we'll, if we have time, we'll talk about C.J. Abrams. And we'll talk about all that right after this. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galina and Scott Chu with you. And uh, we spoke last week about Josh Bell and, you know, his trade to the Marlins. And, you know, when we spoke about him, he already had, you know, been producing pretty well for them. And he continues to, Scott, in his first nine games for the Marlins, four home runs, eight RBI, uh, 314 batting average, you notice anything different? I mean, he's swinging it hard, right? Mm. Like he's, he's actually striking out Josh Bell more than usual since becoming a Marlin 43 plate appearances, 30.2% strikeout rate, which is just not very typical for his career. Uh, even this season, his overall strikeout rates, 21.6. So that 30% tells you that, you know, I don't know if the Marlins have just been like, Hey, swing more, dude, like fine, go with it. Uh, mm-hmm. We haven't seen quite enough plate appearances to kind of make some of those judgments strikeout and walk rates are some of the first things that, I hate using the word stabilized because uh, nothing stays flat in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't just like you have a 10% walk rate, but you don't have a 10% walk rate like every week. It kind of goes up and down. Um, so, you know, it's interesting that he's striking out more since becoming a Marlin, a, a team who has guys that will strike out and they kind of don't seem to care. Uh, sort of like uh, the White Sox, except qu- a little bit less extreme. So, you know, it's interesting that he's hitting second and third. It's interesting that, you know, half of his hits are going for extra bases with the four home runs and two doubles since becoming a Marlin. Um, You know, he's worth streaming, but I'm not ready to say like this is a, you know, lock in first baseman rest of the season. Uh, He's gone to a tougher place to hit. He's just not been able to be a consistent hitter uh, in fantasy since 2021. He wasn't really able to do that for us last season. Like the overall numbers were fine, but if you look, it was actually like a tale of two halves for Josh Bell. So um, streakiness is just part of his game, which is unusual for a guy who walks as much as he does and doesn't strike out that much. But that's kind of what we've got with Josh Bell. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he is a switch hitter. He will play every day. He'll hit in the in a high part of this order, which is good. Uh, and again, worth streaming, especially mm-hmm. if you've got an open hole at your utility spot or first base. But, you know, he's not someone where I'm like, yeah, I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing this great new thing. I'm seeing a guy who's like gotten more aggressive, which can mm-hmm. be very helpful But it's also very different than the type of player he's been. And Mm -hmm. I wonder how long he'll be able to succeed in that sort of, uh, you know, as a more aggressive hitter. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Vladimir Guerrero, you uh, mentioned him on your hitter list, uh, which comes out in the latter part of the week on the pitcher list website. Uh, He's ranked 17th on your hitter list, down four spots. And you you mentioned, you know, obviously he's not been a a top 10 first baseman so far this season, uh, but obviously in preseason drafts, he was drafted to be one, Um, won the all-star home run derby. You know, he's has uh, through his first 114 games, 265 batting average with 18 home runs. And over the uh, course of the past two seasons, 22 and 23, uh, just a 270 batting average, which we expect more, and a 464 slug. Um, it's got that 49.1% career ground ball rate, but um, 304 expected batting average uh, stat cast, and pitcher lists expected batting average 284. 
Um, you say that, that, that we were talking before the show and, you know, he was uh, you get questions about him. And, and some people think that maybe, uh, you know, he should have a salad once in a while. No. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to say that he's a he's a svelte guy, but mm-hmm. up until very recently, uh, he was only the third heaviest player on his team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alec Manoa has now been sent down. Alec Manoa uh, clocks in somewhere around. 285 pounds six mm-hmm. foot eight he's the heaviest uh and actually number two uh who is now number one the heaviest guy on the toronto blue jays is mm-hmm. human bowling ball alejandro kirk who mm-hmm. is only five eight uh compared to vlad uh vladito's six foot two mm-hmm. but uh he is heavier by probably five to ten pounds so vlad is not the biggest guy on his team but more important uh The thing with Vlad is that he's actually doing everything better than he did last season in terms of batted ball quality and the metrics, right? I know the results aren't there. The results are all worse, but the actual like batted balls are all better. Uh, It's a better fly ball rate. We want him to hit fly balls because he hits it hard. He's got a better line drive rate. He's got a better bail rate. He's got a better hard hit rate. He's got a better average exit velocity. He's got a better strikeout rate. He's got a better walk rate. He's got a better chase rate and he's got a better contact rate. So, like, if you're asking what's wrong with Vlad, nothing. Nothing is wrong. Um, he's he As the expected stats suggest, he's been fairly unlucky uh, with his batted balls. Um, he's doing all the stuff you want him to do. He's doing a lot of things at a very high level. The results just aren't there right now. And, like, I, I hate to say it because you can't do anything about it, y'all, but there's nothing you can do about that, right? Like, it's just like when a, if a pitcher locates a slider perfectly down and in, like, almost right on the shoe tops, and a guy puts it in the stands anyway, you can't do anything about it. This is a much bigger scale than that because it's been over the course of a whole season. Um, but, you know, Vlad Grau Jr., I did bring him down a bit uh, just because I have to project for the rest of the season. I've got no I've got no evidence to suggest that this is just going to instantly turn around. But he's not, he's not a worse player than he was last season. He has mm-hmm. worse results. But all the underlying stuff, all the stuff that we try to use to understand why the things, like why are the results the way they are all this, all that stuff. Vlad is doing better, right? So like you would actually expect a better like line. And if he had this exact same kind of season again, I would expect much better results, Hmm. right? Unfortunately, you're stuck with the season that he's had, but uh, there's a reason that most projections still have him as a top three first baseman rest of the season. Um, uh, He's, he's kind of like on the fringe for me. uh, But again, all the metrics are there. Everything is there except for the results. And unfortunately, there's not much you can do about that. It's got a month and a half left of the season. And just looking at the projection models, uh, they say he could hit anywhere between nine and 10 home runs. And, you know, I don't doubt it, especially, you know, you mentioned that he's got the, the fly ball rate a little higher than, than, you know, previous season. Um, And, you know, no reason to think that the guy just can't get like super hot and roll off, 10 home runs in the month of September and carry your fantasy team to a championship. I mean, not unlike teammate Boba Chet last season, mm-hmm. right? Like not, not that different, right? Like just sort of fairly average all year. And then just boom, exploded. Uh, Vlad could do that. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, again, he had, he's the kind of player that when he's hot, it's best hitter in baseball mm-hmm. kind of hot. Yeah. Right. So, so that's why, like, obviously there's nothing you're doing about it. You're not selling low in dynasty. If someone thinks that like, this is the new Vlad because they've convinced themselves that like some changes to Roger center or something like that has made this uh, go get him because he's just fine. Hmm. CJ Abrams last play. We'll talk about up 13 spots on your hitter list. Number 84. And 
you know, he got off to a real tough start. I had drafted him in my tout league and eventually dropped him. But, uh, you know, it's had to come come along really uh, recently. Uh, had 16 solo bases in the month of July. Um, really uh, making some better decision-making in terms of his uh, hitting skills. So, um, and we were talking about, you know, shortstops just a couple in our last segment. Um, C.J. Abrams or uh, Jeremy Pena, rest of season? Oh, I mean, easy. C.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's the thing with, with C.J. Abrams. This is a guy who was at one time a top 15 prospect in a lot of circles. Uh, really, really good hit tool. Not a ton of power. Uh, tons of speed. Like, very, very speedy. Uh, so they thought, you know, uh, he's got enough power to be dangerous. And he's got a great hit tool. Uh, he's going to put a lot of balls in play. And for whatever reason, the Nationals just decided that, like, they didn't like the idea of him stealing bases earlier this season, which makes no sense. He's extremely fast, right? He's a, he's a very good base stealer. But uh, in March and April, he stole only three bases. In May, he stole three bases. In June, he missed a little bit of time, and he only stole three bases. Uh, so he, you know, he stole nine bases, got caught twice. And then he stole 16 bases last month. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're never going to project 16 stolen bases. And it's funny. Uh, one of the reasons that, you know, you try to get things like rolling charts or, you know, you want your breakdowns to be more granular. Because if you just look at first half, first half, second half, it seems like it's been pretty consistent. He had 14 steals in the first half. He's got 15 in the second half. Um, but of course, that's not how the breakdown went. Number one, he played 81 games in the first half. He only has 28 games in the second half and he has more stolen bases. But like every, like almost all the steals come in July. Mm. So do I project him to steal 16 bases again in a month? No. Right. Uh, but he already has four steals in August and he is the type of player that can steal eight to 10 bases in He's a month. Right? Off every day too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, this is a team that is going to, you know, they don't, they're not really playing for anything, but they, you know, players like to win games. Uh, I think, you know, CJ Abrams has struggled against left-handed pitching. Uh, this season, which is, you know, kind of annoying, but the Nationals no longer seem to care. They they are willing to let him lead off every single day. Uh, the, the team doesn't have a lot of other options for leadoff guys. Lane Thomas has been better than expected. It's allowed C.J. Abrams to score more runs uh, than maybe I expected. More importantly, C.J. Abrams guy puts the ball in play all the time. He's going to continue to do that. As long as he gets to first base, he can get to second base. Uh, I expect him to finish the year uh, actually pushing, you know, 40 stolen bases, maybe more, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the best projections right now have him for about eight more for the rest mm-hmm. of the way. I think that number's more like 10 to 12, maybe more, mm-hmm. right? So uh, big fan of C.J. Abrams going forward. If you're in a league where your trade deadline hasn't passed, uh, go ahead and and jump all over it. If people think like, oh, I better sell high. Like, yeah, kind of, but this is a top 100 hitter because of that speed. Yeah. Uh, that hot he doesn't really speed. strike out much, right? He's got a 20% strikeout rate, and thankfully, he raised that walk rate from 1.7 last season to 4.4, which is still too low for a guy with his kind of speed. You want him to get on base. Yeah, he's actually, he's been a fair, if you go just since July 1st, that's where mm-hmm. we see like the new version, mm-hmm. right? Actually, if you want to be a little bit more granular, you can go to when he got the leadoff job back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was on... July 7th, uh, July 6th, he stole two bases. And since then he's been like pretty much the everyday shortstop. Uh, and of course, everyday leadoff man, he's only striking out 14.3% of the time. And that's because that's what he is, right? He does not hit the ball very hard, but he does have four home runs in, uh, in that stretch. Uh, that's not very many. Walk that's rate? Do you have that? Yeah. That it's, uh, it's only, yeah, it's only, um, it, again, it's not amazing, but it's 6.2%. Uh, okay. 
So very average. Yeah. For average. him, that's good. Yeah. Uh, he's a very, because he's a very aggressive hitter, sort of in the vein of like, you know, I use this example too often, but he is a very Luis Arias style type of hitter where he just wants to put everything in play. And, mm-hmm. and he, he's really good at making contact. So that's something where uh, I, I like CJ Abrams for the rest of the season. He just needs to keep putting the ball in play. Uh, and I know you said this is the last player we're going to talk about. I do want to talk about one other player really quick. Okay. Uh, right. And that's, it's another shortstop to talk about contact. Uh, I hope you go and check out uh, the article or you can follow me on Twitter. You get to see me talk about this earlier. It's Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie De La Cruz is the opposite of Luis Arias. Uh, he swings a lot, but he can't always hit. But actually our metrics are really interesting in how they talk about Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie De La Cruz is actually making more contact than we expect. He's actually quite good at making contact at this point in the season in terms of expected contact rate. His problem is that he swings at everything. Ellie De La Cruz is one of the worst decision makers in the league right now. Uh, and a lot of that just comes from him being one of the most aggressive hitters in baseball. And he's gotten more aggressive as the season has pressed on. And that's why you're seeing those results become so extreme where it's a bunch of strikeouts and home runs. That's it. He's swinging as hard as he can and he makes terrible decisions. Now, is he making more contact? You can make really bad decisions and make contact, right? The problem is you're not going to do anything with a lot of that contact, right? Like, when you hit a fastball that's chin high, you can't really do anything with it. When you swing way out and just get the piece of that slider that's in the dirt, you can't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the problem is for Ellie De La Cruz. The reason I bring it up isn't because I think he's going to fix it this season. He could, but I do want to point out this is a coachable problem. The cool metrics we have over at pitcher list, those rolling hitter charts, uh, they help you understand why things are happening. And for him, it's just decision-making, right? Cause it's not like he can't get his bat on the ball. Uh, usually with a guy with a really bad whiff rate, you'd expect to be bad at making contact, but he can get his bat on the ball. The problem is he's trying to hit a bunch of balls that he shouldn't. That's coachable, right? You can't give a guy faster hands. You can't give a guy a better feel for the the bat. You can't give him better uh, hand-eye coordination, but you can help him make better decisions. And if Ellie De La Cruz can make those better decisions, that's where we see that, you know, limitless potential unlock. And Mm so, you know, this season, I hope to see some of it get better. We actually saw this with O'Neill Cruz. O'Neill Cruz had a similar problem last season, uh, and he got better. We saw him be much, much better when he came in. I expect him to be much, much better when he comes back. But uh, Ellie De La Cruz can do the same thing. He just needs a little bit better decision-making. Again, it's a coachable thing. So uh, I think as you know, if you're watching these charts, if you can see his decision value get better, those results will just get better. Some players don't need this. Michael Harris, the second makes bad decisions, but he doesn't make them so bad, right? Like he's not that bad at it and he's not quite as aggressive. So it, it doesn't hurt him quite as much, but Ellie De La Cruz is just too extreme right now. I think it'll get better eventually. Um, and when it does, there's a lot there. But I did want to share that, that like we can actually understand what's going on. Uh, and it's, you know, it's too easy to say, oh, he just swings and misses at everything. Well, no, his actual problem is just that he swings way too much because he makes a lot of contact for how often he swings the bat. Uh, it's just bad contact a lot of the time because they're pitches he never should have swung at in the first place. Hmm. All right. So good stuff out of you. And uh, you mentioned O'Neill Cruz. Uh, I'm seeing that, uh, you know, there's speculation that he might be able to rejoin the Pirates uh, by the end of, of August, which... So if he's on your waiver wire, uh, you might want to stash him. So oh, he he's I mean amazing talent, tons of power. It's it's Ellie yeah, Taylor Cruz, but better know, decision yeah. making. Oh, I mm-hmm. love I love O'Neill Cruz. If he's been dropped, uh, start scooping him up. I do think he'll be back in the next two or three weeks. Yeah, he can really uh, help you in your playoff push. Great stuff 
as always, uh, that is Scott Chu that you just heard. You can follow him on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he's at If The Chew Fits. You could follow me, Joe Galena, at Joe Galena. And, uh, you know, as always, if, if you would like to subscribe to our podcast, we'd appreciate it. You leave us uh, a rating, whatever you think we deserve. And uh, as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>